Okay, so the Bible reading is 1 John chapter 4, starting from verse 7, and can be found on page 1230. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thank you, Sharon. I reckon that was the first reading Sharon and I did as a Bible reading at Trinity Bay. And Jeff and Helen King giggled all the way through because we kept saying love And the word love is in there about 25 times, isn't it? Uh, Welcome again. My name is Colin. Great to have you with us. Um, Each week, our daughter Miv, you'll see in your Bibles you've got these blue connect cards. Each week, our daughter Miv tends to fill one of these out. I always know it's hers because it always says it's from a cat of some sort. So this one's from Supercat. Hi, Supercat. Wants all the follow-up. Last week, though, she filled in the back as well um, my question. And this was her question. Now, the spelling needs some work, but it says, How do you know God if you can't see him? How do you know God if you can't see him? Pretty profound question for a six-year-old, I think. It's good. It's a good question. 
Today's passage tells us God is love, but what kind of love is he? And how can we be sure God loves us? Um, this is the first in our series of, of winter warmers, looking at the letters written by the Apostle John. So he was one of the eyewitnesses, um, one of the people who spent day in, day out with Jesus. And, and he wrote down what he, he witnessed for us in John's Gospel. Uh, he also wrote uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, these letters. And they're really good, great letters. Uh, and we can only look at this little part of 1 John this week. That's all we've got time for. But you'll get to see all of 2 and 3 John in the following weeks. Um, so keep your Bibles open. Let, let, let me pray for us as we get into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Um, thank you that we've got these words written down by the um, eyewitness, John, that... Um, are your words as well, and lead us deep into the truths about um, who you are and how you love us, what your love is like. Uh, please help us to listen and concentrate. Please speak to us through these words today. Amen. So keep your Bibles open, and just for a moment, just look forwards a bit further on in chapter 5, verse 13, because John tells us why he's writing this letter, and I think that's printed in your leaflets as well. He says he's writing, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So he's writing to help Christians, people who trust and believe in Jesus, to be absolutely sure that they have eternal life. So this church is writing to, the confidence has been knocked because there's been, there's been a lot of people leave their church and they've, they've left to follow some teaching that's got nothing to do with Jesus. And it's got this church he's writing to all a bit wobbly and unsure. So John's writing to reassure them, and by extension then, because this is God's word for us as well, to reassure followers of Jesus today that we can know we have eternal life because we believe in Jesus, the Christ. Because we recognize our sin and are trying to turn away from it, and in this passage, is going to assure us that we know we have eternal life in, in Christ because we love our fellow Christians. We love fellow believers. So today we'll look at God's love. We'll look at our love for one another. And joining the dots between the two, I hope will warm us up in our love for God, for one another, and in our confidence for life after death. So that's the aim. Uh, so there's headings in your leaflets there, which just shows you the stops we're going to make along the way. So firstly, God is love. God is love. So John tells us something about God, and he tells us something about us. So look with me in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, knows, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So just think about that for a moment. We can know God. So God, that tells us something. It tells us God isn't some kind of impersonal force or energy. And God is not some unknowable truth that's so beyond us that the world's religions just point or hint to it, but never really get there. No, it says everyone who loves has been born of God 
and knows God. So we can know God, not in a scientific way, but in a relational way. So there's a photo here. There's a staff team, uh, Mark and Pete and Alex and Stephen and I. We just had some days away to pray, um, to read the Bible, and to plan. And just make we're, we're keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, I could tell you factually about each of the staff team, things I've learned. So I learned that Mark can't eat butter. Um, Alex can play the saxophone. Uh, Pete can kick a footy. And Stephen Watson has a Batman onesie. I don't think any of us are surprised by that. But that's only part of the picture, isn't it? See, a big part of the value of the days away was that we got to know each other relationally. And what enriches our lives the most is relationships. And we can know God relationally. The kind of knowledge that God offers is a relational knowledge of him through Jesus. A relationship of love that's lived out in relationship with others. And just look forward again to chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So in this letter, to sort of summarize for you, John always puts together love believing in Jesus, and loving one another in practical ways. Those three things go together. So when he says in verse 7 of our passage we're looking at today, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. It's a specific kind of love he's talking about. A love to do with believing in Jesus that shows we're born of God. That is, given eternal life with God. So that's about us, but what about God? Well, God is love. So God's fundamental nature is to love. Everything God does, he does in love. God's DNA, if you like, is to love. So if we put that together, all followers of Jesus are born of God, God who is love. So our our DNA becomes to love So when John says, let us love one another, for love comes from God, what he's saying is, be true to who you really are now. Be true to your new, true self. The fact that we as church love one another the way we do, uh, the way we're growing in love, gives us assurance that we're safe in Jesus. So how can we know what God is like? How can we answer Miv's question? How can we know what Um, God's love is like how do you know if someone really loves you that's our next point this is love this is love now there's loads of um, sort of lovey-dovey romantic love songs with love in the title aren't there Uh, crazy in love tainted love I would do anything for love will you still love me tomorrow you can't hurry love You give love a bad name. (laughs) All these different titles, but it's all confusing, isn't it? What what is so much said and sung about love? What is true love? And more to the point, how do we know what God's love is like? 
What is this love that comes from God like? Have a look with me at verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. If we want to know what perfect love looks like, we must look at Jesus, God the Son, and his death on the cross for us. See, human love's uncertain, isn't it? It can be based on feelings. And what if those feelings disappear? And even if we dedicate our whole lives to love, to loving people, we're human and we love imperfectly. But God is perfect, and we don't have to guess with God. God has acted in history, in the real person of Jesus, that we might live, that we might have eternal life. You see, we can know God relationally, but we've all got a love problem. We've all failed to love God as we should. God created us out of love, because it was the most loving thing to do. Uh, God gave us this world to look after and represent him out of love. It was the most loving thing to do. And God lovingly gave us more than we could ever have dreamed of asking for. But we've all pridefully rejected God's love, loving ourselves more than we love God. And we see it in relationships, don't we? Um, In 1971, John Lennon wrote Imagine. Um, Yoko Ono's just been given a co-writing credit as well, just this week, I think, or last week. You probably know the words. He says, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. So Lenin is basically saying, if we did away with the idea of heaven, hell, and God, we'd all be better off. Lenin reckoned if we live without God, we could live in peace. So he's basically saying the problem is with God. Is he right? Well, three years earlier... Paul McCartney wrote, Hey Jude. So you probably know that song. He originally wrote it on his way, driving to comfort Julian Lennon, John Lennon's son. Now why did Julian Lennon need comforting? It's because John Lennon had left his, Julian's mum, Cynthia, to have an affair with Yoko Ono. So the song was originally, Hey Jules. So for all this talk of peace, John Lennon, like all of us, had done his fair share of not loving because he didn't know God. We all know the world is not at peace. We all know our lives are not completely at peace. And we all know deep down that we're part of the problem. But God is love. Everything he does is motivated by love, including standing in judgment against our sin and evil, that the symptoms of us rejecting him. God is perfectly fair 
and he's rightly against anything that goes against love. So that means he can't simply let go and forget any of our sin and evil and still be loving. He must be fair and just and true. He must love. So how can he love us? Us who have so spectacularly failed him, failed to love him. Verse 10. Verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atoning sacrifice can also be translated propitiation, big word, which means Jesus dying for us is a sacrifice which turns away God's right wrath against sin, his right settled opposition to sin. God loves us so much that he was willing to send Jesus, who Jesus himself who was willing to be sacrificed on the cross to turn away God's anger. Jesus is God the Son, fully human and yet also fully God. He's existed for all eternity, part of who God is, Father, Son and Spirit, enjoying perfect love for eternity. But Jesus gave up his place in heaven for his place on the cross. And because Jesus had loved God perfectly, his sacrifice didn't have to turn away God's anger for him. His sacrifice turned God's anger away for us, for our sin. In God the Son, Jesus, God's love for us turns away God's wrath for us. This God you can trust. This love you can trust. Love doesn't start with us. God has already loved us, stepping in to deal with our love problem. But we do need to respond to his love. We can stop breaking God's heart today. Jesus gave up his life to save you. All any of us must do is trust and believe in Jesus. God will do the rest. But trust and believe in Jesus. You must. When we do believe, we're born of God and given love from God. And it's a lived out love. A lived out love. That's our third point. A lived out love. So followers of Jesus, Christians... Love for one another makes visible God's love in the here and now. So our love for one another makes visible God's love in the here and now. See, we might have expected the Apostle John to say, um, to say since God loved us like this, we ought also to love God. It would be reasonable to expect that. But that's not what he says. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So if God's DNA is love, and he's done so much for you and in making you new, then that love for you overflows and spills out into love for other Christians. You can't see God, but the existence of church all loving one another in community 
is proof of it. And not only that, God's love is made complete. Um, That means God's love fulfills its purpose when we love one another. So Christians loving one another is what God's love is is for. Because when you stop and think about it, we're, we're a bit weird, aren't we? Really? I mean, we're different ages, different stages of life, and we're all here together. And we come together week in, week out. We do our own sort of flash mob singing together every week. We um, pay attention to our weekly vision statement and direction message, the sermon, coming from um, our guiding text, the Bible. But that's kind of to analyze us just in terms of activity, isn't it? But behind that activity, there are real relationships of love. When sinful people like me are transformed into people who will love and sacrifice for each other, it displays God's love to the world. It's good for the world, and it's good for us, giving us assurance. And verse 19, it's God's, God's loving us that powers it all. As we see ourselves and others transformed, it assures us that God's love and our eternity with him in perfect love is real. Because God's love in us always works out in practical love for other believers. Or God's love for us always works out in practical love for other believers. Have a look at verse 20 and 21. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So it begs the question, doesn't it? The question sometimes comes up. Can someone be a Christian without going to church? Well, John reckons you can't be a Christian without loving other Christians. And how are you going to love each other if you're never here? We are all here. Okay, I'm glad you're here. It's great. So how can we love one another practically? I've got a really minor way points of doing this. And the reason for that is because I think you do love one another very well. So thank you for that. Thank you that you do that. So here's my minor little thing. As your pastor, I've got a lovely problem. A really nice problem, okay? You're also good at genuinely caring for one another. There's this beautiful buzz of conversation that goes on. It just goes on till about five past ten. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a bit hard to get things going at 10 a.m. Now, I don't... I'm stuck between a rock and a hard I don't want to stop conversation because it's, it's great that you're caring for one another. But I do want us singing God's praises together and turning our minds to him and being loving to those who are in here raring to go at 10 a.m. <coughs> and the say good day time, that's another example of how we love one another. Um, now, I know for the introverts, it's like it makes you shudder. And it's the low point of your week, having been forced into conversation with people you don't know very well. But we want to give, have that extra chance to welcome new people. And I want to give the parents time to get back from dropping the kids off, back for the Bible reading, the sermon. So they're just really small things that I'm picking up on. Because, because as I say, we've always found this church 
to be very much evidence of God's love in action. We have the assurance of love, which leads us to love. And we also have the assurance that this is a live-in love, a live-in love. That's our next point. So God doesn't love us from afar like a distant relative. God's love is up close and personal. So verse 13, we live in him and he in us. And again in verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. If you are a disciple of Jesus, your assurance is that you and God are living in each other's pockets. They say that you don't really know someone until you live with them, until you've shared a house with them. You get to know what they're like at their best and at their worst, don't you? Um, I've lived in a house share once, and you share all the random moments that you would never plan to build a friendship with. So, the washing up, the arguing about the washing up, the, um, my housemates did to me, um, convincing me it was a different day of the week so they didn't have to watch Star Trek with me. All those little things that all add up. Uh, sometimes they're profound, more often they're really mundane. But in the, in the end, all those random moments are valuable. They're all building relationship. But with God, you don't just live with him. He lives in you. And even that's not enough to describe what's going on. It's not enough to say God lives in you. To be accurate about how close you are, we must also say that you live in God at the same time. It's like we've basically run out of ways of expressing the closeness of our relationship with God. And verse 13, God is always present with us by his Holy Spirit, uh, witnessing to us his presence and his love. Uh, God gave us his spirit in our hearts. And in history, verse 14, he gave us his son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world. So adding all this together, God's presence with us, his Holy Spirit living in us, Jesus coming into the world to save us. That means that verse 16, we know and rely, or believe in, you could say, we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We know and rely on God's love, not on our own love. And we don't have to love to earn our way to God. We're already closer than we can imagine because of his love for us. It's, a, it's dwelling in that love which helps us to love one another. And as we do so, love drives out fear. Our final point, love drives out fear. Verse 17. This is how love is made complete among, among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jesus has promised he will return one day. 
on the day of judgment. This time when he returns, it will be to judge, to lovingly rid the world of sin and all that is unloving. But the trouble is, we're all guilty of sin. We all have an unloving history that deserves judgment. Now, John says earlier on in this letter, if we claim to be without sin, so rebelling against God, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we all face judgment. And even if we've dedicated our lives to loving, we know that we'll have to stand before God with lots of good loving deeds, yes, but also plenty that we're ashamed of. And plenty, plenty of even the good things that we have done, ultimately done for ourselves and not for God. The fact that Jesus had to die to deal with this sin shows that the judgment for it is very real and very deadly. But Jesus has done everything needed to have our record wiped clean and our sins forgiven. His sacrifice paying the price for anyone who will believe in him. If we reject Jesus, God must judge us on our own record. And that rightly gives us fear. The fear of facing God who is love, knowing that we have not loved him. But if we know Jesus as our saviour, we have no fear. We know that we're safe in Jesus. And so we look forward to Jesus returning with confidence. So I must ask you, how do you feel about standing before God to be judged? Are you confident? I urge you, don't live life in fear. Running away from God's love because you, don't, you know you don't measure up. None of us do. None of us measure up. All of us deserve punishment. But choose love instead. If you trust and believe in Jesus, you have no fear, no need to fear punishment on the day of judgment. If you trust and believe in Jesus, God could not love you more than he already does. And there's nothing that you can do that will make him love you any less. Love dries out fear. So what can I tell Miv to answer her question? How do we know God? And what is true love? We can know God through his son Jesus. God's love is true love, a self-sacrificial love, willing to give up everything to save us. And we, gathered here, perfect God's love. We make, make it reach its aim. We make God's love visible when we love one another. And as we do so, that gives us assurance that we have eternal life with God. I'm just going to say, pray now. I'll pray first of all for us who already believe in Jesus. And I'll say a prayer that if you don't believe in Jesus and you want to put your trust in him now, it will help you to do that and chat to me afterwards. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your love is, is no mystery, that we know exactly what your love is like because you gave up Jesus, your only son, 
who willingly went to the cross to pay for our sin. I thank you for that love. I thank you that your love lives in us. And please help us grow in our love for one another in practical ways and that will demonstrate your love to the world and will grow us in our assurance of eternal life with you. Uh, if you're not trusting Jesus today, here's a prayer that might help you. Uh, dear God, uh, I know I haven't loved you as I should. I'm sorry. I want to know your love, and I want to love you as you made me to do. Uh, thank you for Jesus paying the price for my sin. I put my trust in him to make me clean, to make me one of your children. Amen.